Hi, welcome to the Carnivore Stories podcast with me, Alyssa Grubner. The carnivore way of eating completely transformed my life. And it's stories just like the ones you'll hear on this podcast that kept me going every step of the way. I hope you're ready to hear an inspirational carnivore story. I know I am, but first, let me tell you about the meat-tastic t-shirts I have for sale on my spring store. It's a great opportunity for you to become a walking billboard, if that's what you're into. And it's a great opportunity for you to support your new favorite podcast. You can find a link to the spring store in my bio on Instagram at meet, M-E-A-T, Mrs. M-R-S, Grubs, G-R-U-B-S. I'll also put a link to the store in this video's description on YouTube. So check it out and get some carnivore swag. Welcome to episode 31 of the Carnivore Stories podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bradley Marshall. He's a musician from Australia who battled for years with a... Um, incurable autoimmune disease until he finally gave up on Western medicine and found healing through a meat only diet. Thank you so much for being here today, Bradley. It's a pleasure, Alyssa. Yes. Um, so let's start off with you telling everyone about your story. Take as much time as you need uh, about what brought you to carnivore, how you found carnivore, and when was that? Yeah, so I've always been burdened with eczema. Like from the moment I was three months old, my mum was telling me how, in retrospect, you know, there's eczema that came up three months, since three months. So during primary school, high school, I've always been dealing with comments like, you know, I have memories of playing with my friends and then older kids come up to me and say, like not in a bullying fashion, but just like, wow, what's, what's wrong with your face? It, there's, there's all red marks there and, and just kids being curious. So I've always noticed, it, like, I, I've always known that I was kind of, it, it quickly separated me from everyone else. And so it quickly felt different. So it's always been there my whole life, but it was manageable until the last three years. So starting in 2020, it got really, really debilitating. Uh, to the point where I couldn't leave my bed. I had to quit my job because I'm a piano teacher. My, my job is teaching piano and I couldn't reach the octave anymore on the piano. And all the kids were saying, what's up with your fingers? Uh, if I play the mm. piano and practice as much as you, will my fingers end up looking like that? And I had to reassure them, no, this is, I've got a debilitating skill, a skin illness. And if you go on my Instagram, you can see all the pictures of how bad it is. And it, it got to the point where my passion is music, but I was thinking, what if I'm not able to be a pianist anymore? Like, what if I have to change careers mm -hmm. completely and become, like I was thinking of ch changing into computer programming or something completely different. Computer programming, because I wouldn't have to need to socialize with people because I could just stay home and out of, out of the limelight. I could just stay in the shadows because, you know, it was not just debilitating and pain and uh, sleeplessness and, but it was also, I was, I mean, there's a level of insecurity. You don't want to go out and face people when the first thing people say to you is what's wrong with your face? Or, you look really tired or you look awful. 
and it gets to you. And I, I just thought, you know, I'm a musician, I'm a performer and I love being in the limelight, but if I have to live like this, I might have to change careers to something where I'm just completely out of the limelight, just in the shadows. Um, but so basically in that three year period, I, it was very hard mentally and, and going through it, I wasn't sure how long it would last. Like there was periods where I was thinking this might be for the rest of my life. Like I, I might be suffering like this for the next 60 years and every single year it's going to get worse and worse until I'm old and I'm by myself and I can't even, I mean like, you know, things that go through your head, like who's going to, who's going to fall in love with me when I'm in this kind of condition. But mm -hmm. you know, people still see the good in, in the worst cases. I mean, there was, um, there was this person who, was talking to me for a while and uh and she never really saw the eczema as a problem and she said you know i i really care for you and so and, and there's a lot of people like, i mean like even if i was in debilitating in a debilitating condition there's still chance for love so i'm not gonna like cut that off completely if you do have eczema out there you know you, you can still find love but i was in a i was in a place where i was i was really upset with my life i i really had nothing left beyond just sitting in my room. I was lying in my bed and the moment I've moved my neck, the moment I moved my arms, it was just like being burnt alive. And so, yeah, I didn't know how long that would last. And so I said to myself, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to stay here. I can't just stay here in this. This is not my life. I don't believe that there, that there is no cure for eczema. I think I can find something. I said to myself, you know, there is no cure because people are just relying on creams. People are just relying on the drugs, the biologics, the antibiotics, the steroids. And I don't think this is the right thing. I think this is a transient solution, which it really is. It, it stops the eczema temporarily, but not long-term. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try to find something that addresses the root cause. And I started looking into so many different things. I said, you know, most people are not willing to try the things that I'm going to try. I'm going to go to the edge and back to see if I can find a solution. So the first thing I did was about a year ago. So I only started the carnivore diet 163 days ago. So a year ago, I started cold water therapy. So in Melbourne, where I live in Australia, it's right at the bottom and it's really cold most of the time. And you only get like, I mean, right now it's the second day of summer and it's still about i'm not sure how it converts to fahrenheit but it's about 16 degrees which is cold the water is still about 11 degrees celsius so i mean it does get warm don't get me wrong like it gets to about 40 degrees mm -hmm. sometimes uh but it is freezing in the water so around september and during winter i was diving right into the cold water because i was finding stories online because I didn't want to accept the standard Western medicine. There's no cure. I said, I can't live like that. I need hope. I need to find a solution. And I said to other podcasts, I've got this delusional quality for lack of, of a better word that I just don't believe that if there's a problem, I always believe there's a solution. I don't believe that eczema is incurable. I just think that probably medicine needs to catch up or, or that there is solutions out there and they're just not being talked about, which obviously there is. Um, so the first thing I did was I started looking up these cases online of people who go and use cold water therapy and they have debilitating autoimmune conditions. For example, they have uh, 
I have to fact check this, but I, I know that there was a story of in, in uh, where I live in Melbourne, there's these, a group called the icebergers of people who dive into cold water every single day. And I think one of them had nerve damage, really bad nerve damage to the point where or it could have been polio, but I think it was really bad nerve damage to the point where he couldn't walk properly and he had a permanent limp. And so he went into the ocean every single morning and after coming out of the ocean, he would walk normally for about an hour or half hour. So I saw that wow. and I said, wow, this is resetting your nervous system, nervous system. So I thought to myself, maybe I have a chance if I could cure myself by just diving into freezing water. I mean, this is the reason why eczema is incurable because people aren't willing to do that. They, they're not willing to go to the edge and back. They more, it's easier just to take a quick fix pill I mean, mm -hmm. I think everyone knows this. It's like uh, if you have to have life-changing, uh, if you have to change your life in the form of do exercise, diet, and sauna, whatever, a completely life-changing or just take a pill, a lot of people just opt for the pill. So I, so I said to myself, yeah, I'm going to start diving into the ocean. So that's what I started doing that because there's so much uh, health benefits of, of, go of like it replenishes your skin with the salt and it resets your vagus nerve and it reduces inflammation. So that's the first thing I started doing. But obviously it wasn't enough. It's not just one thing. It has to be holistic health. So I said, you know what? I, I was already aware of diet. Like throughout my high school days, I, I noticed when I ate McDonald's, for example, or any fried foods, uh, the doctors would say, the actual doctors would say to me, there's no correlation between food and skin. And I said, you know, that's at about 13. I said, that's not true. I actually don't believe that because I know as soon as I eat McDonald's, it flares my skin up. So how do you explain this? They said, oh, it's just, it's just coincidental or it's just your mind. Um, you know, the mind is very powerful with placebos and nocebos, they were saying. And I said, that's just not true. I don't believe that. So I was already aware of diet, but I didn't know how sensitive my body was. I mean, like up till three years ago, I really could eat most things. Uh, apart from the fried foods. So it was just three years ago and I've got all of these, um, like I'm not exactly sure what caused it three years ago. I, I'm leaning toward topical steroid withdrawal. I mean, at the time, I, I wasn't sure what it could have been because in Melbourne, we just started a lockdown, which lasted 200 days. Uh, we, in, in Australia, we had the longest lockdown in the world in Melbourne. So I was thinking maybe the fact that I'm in my house for so long and I'm allergic to dust perhaps, and it's getting worse because of this. So there's, there's a lot of factors. It could be all of the above. It must've been uh, stressful too. Yeah, stressful too, but um, it was stressful. But in terms of like, I've, I've had very stressful situations right through my life, like uh, in VCE. So I've, I've always been one to really deal with stress well. So I, I was aware that it could okay. be stress, but in, I think I, because it was so drastically increased, I said, it can't be stress. It has to be something on top of stress. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's why I assumed it could have been the dust. It could have been lack of vitamin D because we couldn't travel outside our house further than five kilometers. So I tried to get as much vitamin D as possible by walking, but we were only allowed to do that for an hour. Um, we had like an hour restriction of going outside your house. Um, oh, could, uh, another thing, it could have been COVID itself. Like COVID flares up the immune system. So I was thinking it could have been that. And then... Uh, a lot of people say, no, it's not this. But I was thinking at the same time in March 2020, it's exactly the time my eczema flared up, is they had an increase in EMF. 
uh, because uh, the 4G became 5G. And I like a lot of people say, oh, it's just a conspiracy. But, you know, I was willing to think about every single avenue. You know, I, I didn't yeah. rule anything off the tables. Um, but what I think it really was is topical steroid withdrawal. So this is a, another large topic, but just to quickly uh, summarize it, uh, <clears throat> doctors recommend steroids right from the very start. They say, you know, this is a really quick solution. Uh, it will cure, clean you up. So basically your adrenal glands release its own form of steroids in the form of cortisol and your skin naturally produces that. Uh, but the thing is, if you use artificial cortisol in the form of the steroids they give you, then your skin no longer produces its own. It just relies on the artificial steroid. And then what happens is it stops working because it's just like a recreational drug, say, I don't know, if you're on uh, heroin, for example, uh, after a while, it just, you need a stronger dose and a stronger dose and a higher dose because it stops working. So the same thing happens with the steroids. You get dependent on it and then the skin is tolerating it, grows a resistance to it. So you need a stronger dose, stronger dose until eventually you get to the strongest dose and then you can't go any higher than that. And so your body literally is forced into withdrawal. And I was noticing that. So when I was about four years ago, I was noticing when I was using the steroids, because I've been using steroids for 20 years, I was noticing it wasn't as powerful as it used to be. Like it wasn't controlling it. And I was thinking, you know, if this is not even going to control it, I'm just going to stop using it completely. And so that happened around three years ago as well. I mean, there's pictures of me in 2019 where I went to America as a in a holiday and my skin looks great. I mean, a lot of people would, asking me questions online, like they questioned my story. They said, you know, you have a lot of your pictures before you look fine. But the thing is, you know, like I'm, I'm very careful with what I post. I mean, I was keeping it secret. I didn't want to reveal that I have eczema. And so most of the pictures I look fine because I'm probably wearing, I'm doing skivvies that cover my neck if there's eczema there. Or I'm, I'm, I'm waiting till the moment I'm actually on antibiotics. And when I'm on antibiotics and pregnisolone tablets, for example, my skin clears up within two weeks. And so there's a period of, of, of uh, there's a period of just relief where everything's cured. And I look um, like, I look as well as I do now, except now I'm actually holistically completely healthy versus a transient solution where you're just masking the pain and masking the illness for about two weeks. That's basically what they do. They just suppress, they don't, they don't actually heal at all. It's just masking. Uh, so in that period of mm -hmm. two weeks, what I'd do is I'd actually, uh, I'd film like a lifetime of work, like a year's worth of, of me playing the piano, like every single day of that. I'm, I'm very like, I'm very like, uh, I don't know, highly motivated. I love doing things and, uh, um, and maximizing my time efficiency. And so I, I knew that I had a window of about two weeks before this, my eczema would return. And so what I did in those two weeks for the last three years, when I, whenever I went on these uh, antibiotics, because it was like a yearly thing, like it would get so bad that I can't take it anymore. And so I'd have to take antibiotics to heal it up. And then once, but the thing is, once you do that, it actually works less and less, just like the steroids. And it gets worse and worse the, the more time you depend on it. And so it really isn't a permanent solution. It's just really transient. And unfortunately, that is all that Western medicine offers. That and then a new biologic they call Dupixin, which is another whole topic I'll get into later. Um, fortunately, in, in Australia, it's only $40 with a subsidy, but people in America are paying up to $50,000 for it a year. Oh, goodness. Um, so, My goodness. Uh, 
yeah so yeah and in uh so what i used to do is for these two in these two week periods i'd be filming myself playing like uh as much piano covers as possible even filming myself doing little short courses and then people would say you know your fingers look fine and of course it looks fine because that was the two-week period i was on the on the drugs and i would i would post that i have i'd have enough content to sort of last me like three months to six months and so i would post it and people would assume my fingers look okay but the thing is that was the two-week period um yeah so basically 160 days ago i stumbled upon the carnivore diet i was at the gym and I was always listening to like Jordan Peterson and his and his daughter Michaela Peterson. I, I was aware that both of them are on the carnivore diet. And someone recommended to me in the gym. They said, you know, I, w I had eczema too, like you. And uh, I didn't know how sev I didn't know how severe his eczema was. I just assumed at the time that it was just I don't know. I thought like I thought most people's eczema wasn't that bad. And because my my if you see the pictures of my eczema, it's actually really quite debilitating. It's a really severe case of eczema. Um, and so I just assumed that maybe they had a mild case of eczema and it cured them of the carnivore diet. So I was skeptical, but he said to me, why don't you just try for 30 days, just try eating nothing but meat. And I tell you, it'll cure you. And this was a guy at the gym. And I said, I said, okay. So I started doing some research into it and I found Michaela Peterson, like in depth, I, I, I found her story and then, uh, like I was aware of her before, but I, I really started researching her story and, and realizing how bad it was and how she, she was taking the same drugs that I was taking. I wasn't taking methotrexate, but that is also an eczema drug, a biologic. So I wasn't taking it, but it's also offered to eczema patients. Um, and so I found Paul Saladino, Paul Saladino's book, The Carnival Code. I went online and I was looking up all these people who have cured themselves of eczema. So I found all these doctors. I really wanted to make sure that if I'm going to try this carnival diet, I mean, there's a lot of questions, right? That, that I, mm -hmm. I had, and most people have like, am I going to become constipated? Am I going to have colon cancer? Am I going to have kidney damage, heart disease? Uh, um, got the word osteosclerosis, like the, the fattening of the heart, um, with the LDL levels going up. Like I just wasn't sure. Yeah. So, uh, and so I did research. I really wanted to, uh, I'm, like my background is I've got a, like a degree in science. And so I really wanted to approach it scientifically and I wanted to make sure my health was the best it could be. So I found Paul Saladino and I read his book, the carnival code, which is amazing. Just mind blowing. It just, yeah. It, any qualms it I had going into the carnival diet was completely cured knowing reading after reading the carnivore diet because it, it just talks about every single avenue and every single shadow of every room as a metaphor or, or every, any any single aspect of the carnivore diet that you question he answers it and addresses every single one from constipation to heart disease kidney damage everything and he, he proves it that he even questions um i'm not sure if it's the yeah the world health organization um, um who he actually there's an article there with clinical studies that he provides saying the wealth, the world health organization's study is based on problematic and shady. That's the term he used shady science, which is like, it's highly questionable. Uh, and that's not his words. That was a clinical studies words. Um, so there's, there's actually Sean Baker just recently released a post of, of this study that really questions the wealth, 
World Health Organization, because this is where a lot of the propaganda is coming from. A lot of people really believe that the carnivore diet is terrible for you, that it causes cancer because of this false misinformation that they've heard that it, inc it increases your risk of cancer. And uh, I, I think from what I read from the top of my head, I can't remember if it's exactly right, but it increases your risk by 7% every single day that, you, that you're on the carnivore diet. I have to fact check that, but that's, that's what Paul Saladino said in his book. And so that is from the World Health Organization. That's what people are believing. And so that's why they're, I mean, even me, when I grew up, my parents were saying to me, don't eat meat all the time. Just have it twice a week if you, if you must, because it will cause cancer. Uh, and it's just not true. Not true at all. I mean, like, I'm yet to get blood. <laughs> I'm a bit like Sean Baker. He had, when I was watching his podcast with, with Joe Rogan, he said, I'm not really interested in getting blood tests. I am interested. I just haven't done it yet. Um, I know will be soon, but um, just look, just from the way I look, I mean, I've completely healed myself of eczema completely. There's not one bit of eczema left, like tiny dots in small places, but compared to how I was, it is like 99.99% cured. And if that's the case, I mean, before I was in hospital and I mean, like I was to just uh, give you context, like I was always on antibiotics and pregnisolone tablets and steroids and oral steroids. And so I knew that every single time I do this, it helps transiently, it helps for two weeks, but then it will get worse in the long run. So the more I use it, the more it's just destroying me long-term. So I really was averse to trying it. I said, I don't wanna go back to the hospital and do these things. And so I was resistant and I was holding it off. And it got to the point though, that my body was so bad. I remember lying in bed thinking I'm dying. This is terrible. And I went into the hospital because I was in so much pain. And the doctor said, it's lucky you came. It's good that you came in, not lucky. It's good that you came in because if you hadn't, if, if you don't start the antibiotics right now, you would have died in the next week because your blood is very, it's mm -hmm. already septic. So, I mean, this is what I was dealing with at, at that point in time. So, yeah, I, I knew that there had to be a solution greater than what Western medicine provides. And that's when I stumbled across the carnivore diet. and really healed myself holistically from the inside out. Yeah. That is amazing. And what a nightmare, what an absolute nightmare you had to go through. And, and, uh, but I mean, you're, you're awakened from this nightmare now and it's amazing. It really is. I've seen the pictures and, um, I've seen eczema before, but definitely never like how yours was. I and mean, it was, it was really severe. And I know I can imagine working with kids, kids are brutally honest and, you know, and, and they'll let you know, you know, things that other people are, might be thinking, but don't say. And so I can only imagine how, how that was, um, you know, to have them point that out. Um, so what was your diet like before you decided to give carnivore a try? Just, just to, I'll answer that. Just to touch on the, uh, the kids thing, like as a teacher. Yeah. It's, um, you get all types of comments. I mean, like I remember this kid and I was walking in and he said, oh, your eczema has gotten worse. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, thank you, Dr. Nick. <laughs> no, um, mm -hmm. said, but recently it's good. I mean, like recently I've been teaching and this kid was saying to me, uh, your hands aren't red anymore. And I said, yeah, that's right. Isn't it great? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. 
kids are beautiful in their honesty. And uh, I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's memories I have of walking. This is not a kid though, but there's, there's a memory of me walking actually and an adult was commenting when I was walking barefoot on the beach and they, my foot was just red and weeping. And uh, she, I, I heard the comment. She just sort of muttered to herself, to a friend, oh, that's gross, look at that. And so these things like stick with you. And I, I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be this person. Why do I have to live like this for the rest of my life? I'm going to find a solution. And so, yeah, I did. So in terms of what I was eating before, I was having like, I'm half Filipino, half Australian. So I was eating rice every day. Um, and I was, I was eating, like, which is a grain, which I cut out uh, completely because I thought that rice was relatively harmless. Um, and I was even eating brown rice. And some people, I think Dr. Gundry is saying that white rice is better than brown rice. I have to, have to double check that. But uh, it got mm -hmm. to the point where I'm like, you know, I don't know if rice, period, is good for me because it's a grain. So I, I, I cut that out. I cut out dairy. So before I was, I was having a pretty standard diet. Like I would, I would limit eating fast foods, but like I'm not sure if in America if you have grilled or – do you have grilled? Like grilled burgers and – yeah 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 I used you to mean like no 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 it's or, a, i mean a company called grilled it's okay like okay no okay no no we don't we don't have like burger king and uh and so so in australia they call it grilled and sombrero and oh, like nando's i don't know if you have that over there but i used to love eating these foods and i'd have them like not not every day but at uni university like after a lecture like it would be my leisure and my and my pleasure to go down there and just have a burrito um even even just in the last few weeks i mean cravings do uh, uh subside after a while and they kind of have but there's moments where i walk past a sombrero and i remember in the past like rewarding myself after a lecture like oh, i remember i used to have these beautiful burritos with avocado and, and, and corn and, and all of these toppings and it's just oh, garlic sauce mm -hmm. and, and, and you get cravings for a, for a split second. But then I remember, you know, it's not worth it. There's nothing tastes better than having perfect health. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was having a pretty standard diet. Like I was, I was already monitoring my, what I ate and my intake. So I considered, I thought that vegetables were healthy. And so I was eating so much vegetables and greens and all of this uh, fruit. I still have select fruit today, but mainly it's carnivore based. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure all your viewers know how, how much vegetables, are, how bad they are for you in, in terms of uh, their defense mechanisms. Uh, they have oxalates and salicylates and polyphenols in them, which is their yes. evolutionary way of attacking you so you don't eat them. And on top of that, you have the fungicides and the herbicides. And I mean, I'd be interested to try some, some more fruits. I mean, I've got a very restricted uh, palette of fruits that I eat, like, uh, because they're keto, they're keto friendly. So I'm always eating mm -hmm. like low carbohydrates. As I think that affects me much less than th things like citrus, like oranges and, uh, pineapples really trigger me. So I don't eat all fruits. I just eat a very small subset of fruits. Like basically I could count them. There's about four of them, like apple, uh, avocado and coconut. That, that's literally most of the fruits okay. I eat. 
and then and sometimes raw honey but again these are on occasion like every day it's just mainly meat and i only have the fruit as as a variation because sticking to meat is at times mentally monotonous and so i mean even in the meat within meat itself like i'm only eating uh i don't, I don't eat pork and i don't eat chicken i don't eat fish like it's not really exactly carnivore i don't have cheese i don't have dairy i don't have butter i cook meat with meat i cook it with ruminant fat and so it's it's really the lion diet which is exactly what michaela peterson's on so just lamb and just uh cow uh ruminant meat and and a lot of organs so i, I mix it up with those items and so whenever whenever i get tired of eating the same thing i just change it up so i have like i have organs one day because because like eating liver is very like rubbery it's like a, a jelly and i like cooking it very uh medium rare or like even almost um, mm -hmm. raw almost because it, it tastes I, I love the taste of it like not cooked because <laughs> it's like a jelly i mean i find did you grow up eating did you grow up eating organs yeah well i grew up eating chicken liver but not uh cow liver and so yeah there's there's okay. just a variety of taste difference is basically what i'm saying between liver kidneys uh heart and brain and and i mean like i save money that way too i mean like it's not very palatable to most people and so there's not much demand for the organs and so in australia um i'm not sure exactly how it translates but it's 14 dollars in australia for like a small scotch fillet steak and only three dollars for mm. organs when i can get exactly the same uh, in, uh density and size of meal and i can feel full and it tastes exactly the same it's just psychologically unappealing to most people and so it's so cheap and so that's my way yeah. of sort of saving money um but yeah that's how i so help me out so you said you said a scotch scotch fillet i've, I've heard fillet. this before I've, I've heard this before and I, and I remember someone was saying this was a, what we would call a ribeye here in the States maybe, or yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is it a rib fattier eye. cut? It's a, it's, it's, okay. like a, it's a high end cut. So like a, a ribeye we have here too. It's not exactly a ribeye. It's uh it's this, the high end cut of the cow. Yeah. Like, a, okay. do you have a porterhouse okay. steak there? Yes. Like yeah. And so that steak. has. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it has like the filet and then it has the strip and the T-bone yeah. in the middle, right? Well, it does, no, it okay. it's like a porterhouse steak. So it's just like a, a slab, like a, like a kind of like a, like a burger in a sense, but just like a circular slab of, of meat that is very tender. Okay. Like, a, a, okay. Okay. I know what this is called. Filet mignon. That's what we would call it. Oh, really? Here. What, what did you say? Sorry? Filet filet mignon mignon oh okay yes yes i'm pretty sure that that's something really cool i feel like somebody should do like okay if you're carnivore in other parts of the world if you ask for this this is what you're gonna get you know <laughs> no, no literally like wow I, one of my thoughts is when i travel overseas like i'm like i'm not going to be eating out unfortunately because a lot of the stores i mean michaela peterson doesn't eat out either because a lot of the restaurants they cook with canola oil and vegetable oil and mm -hmm. seed oils and so it triggers me and it triggers her and triggers people who are very sensitive and so i probably won't be eating out i probably will be going to the butcher and trying to translate 
the foods that I'm having here in Australia. So it's good that I know that now. Wow. Um, so did you have any issues adapting to carnivore? Like, did you get any type of keto flu, any diarrhea, anything like that? Good question. Um, so when I started, I mean, I didn't change very drastically. It was a very slow process of eliminating foods very slowly with time. So in the past three years, like I was, I was already eliminating many, many food groups. So I, I started by cutting out gluten and then I removed uh, grains and bread and dairy. And then like, this is, this is periods of time that I'm jumping across. Like this is slow removal of all these food items. And so then I, I removed vegetables because I thought I was already allergic to legumes. I said, mate, what if it's all vegetables? So I cut that out and then it got to the point. So I was just having basically fruit and then, yeah, just, just mainly fruit and select like chicken I was having. And then someone said to me, you know, maybe it's the chicken. Maybe you're allergic to chicken. I mean, chicken's fed a lot of grains and it's soy. And so that's what I was allergic to. And so basically what the chicken eats is what you're eating. And so I said, you know, that's right. And, but that's when I found the carnivore diet. And I said, you know, this is really powerful. There's so many people with eczema that have cured themselves. And that's what really like woke me up. And it was like a slap to the face is, wow, these people, uh, these, these authors online who were writing these blogs all have eczema and they're writing how it cured them. So I just got to try this. And so, yeah, that's, that's when I started the carnivore diet and yeah, cured me up completely. Um, how long into the carnivore diet did you notice like, Hey, this is actually working for me. It's actually working, taking the eggs away. Yeah. So it took me about seven to eight weeks on the carnivore diet and I could see huge improvements. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, even, even now, like when I say I'm healed, I mean, like my, like my mom doesn't like me saying the word cured because it's never really cured in a sense. As long as I'm on the carnivore diet, it's cured. As long as I'm maintaining my exercise and going into the ocean every day, like the moment I stop, I can mm -hmm. feel the remission. It's like body bodybuilders. It's the moment you stop exercising, you can feel your muscles start to wither away. And so it's the same thing with me. So I guess after about seven weeks, I mean, I'm still healing to this day. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what will happen in the next, I've only been on the carnival diet for six months. So I'm curious to see what will happen in the next six months. And then the next six months after that, because a lot of people have been contacting me saying that uh, in five years time, that they have the same story as me. Like they, they went on the carnival diet and it cured their gut. And so it takes about two years or to a year for the gut to really heal itself and reset itself. And then after five years time, they said, you might be able to eat m many things that you used to be able to eat. So I don't know if I'm going to go completely back to eating everything. Like I'm not really interested in eating cake anymore or things that are very triggering, but like, I wouldn't mind reintroducing some foods like, uh, like, um, I don't know, like mangoes and even some maybe dark chocolate and stuff like that. But you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's a long time in the future, but yeah, to answer your question, around seven weeks in, I started no noticing major differences. Like I could start sleeping again because sleeping is a massive thing. Like even, even today, like I still have a level of the only way I can describe it is 
PTSD because going to sleep was such a traumatic experience because I knew that it would not, I, would, I wouldn't be able to sleep at all. It would be eight hours of just like, even thinking about the bed, I, I, it just felt like this prison, this coffin, if you will, of just going in there and it's just like crawling with ants and metaphorically. And I just, mm-hmm. it just was really unpleasant. And so just thinking about sleeping would just make me feel like I'm going haywire. Like I, I just would react and, and, and feel a level of anxiety of, damn, I need to get, go to sleep now. Oh, it's the worst part of the day because the cortisol level drops as well when it's night for me. And so it's always, I think, I'm not sure if this is a generalization, uh, but I, I, from what I've read of a lot of eczema patients, it gets a lot worse. And not, so it's not just me at night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, even to this day, I mean, I like to sleep on, let my, uh, like on the couch, which is leather, because the leather doesn't irritate me. And I mean, the bed sheets, which are just, just normal sheets, they, I, I have like a dust mite protector as well, but it's just, it just, it just triggers my skin a lot. And so leather is, is just mentally appealing, even though it's healed at this point in time, because there's a level of like PTSD there for lack of a better description. Wow. Um, okay. So I saw a post on your Instagram where you were just busting out these pull-ups. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I, and it's very impressive. So you work out, um, yeah. How long has, has that been like a lifelong thing that you've been pretty active? Yeah, I think I started working out when I was um, around 15, 16. So okay, 26 now. And I mean, recent, like I've always done, like there's pictures of me when I was 21 and I was doing this show, uh, this musical. And um, for, for people who love music theater, it was Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and uh, by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And it was just a community theater project, but it really mattered a lot to me. And so I wanted to be in amazing shape for it because the whole musical, it's set in Egypt and I'm basically shirtless on stage the whole time. Okay. So I was doing CrossFit, <laughs> I was climbing ropes and doing chin-ups and I was, in, I was massive, like I was in really big shape. Um, but like recently, like on the carnival diet, I'm, I'm not as big and bulky as I used to be. I'm very lean because like I'm virtually having no carbohydrates at all. And uh, yeah, like my dad's like, wow, look at, uh, not not to like gloat or anything, but my dad was just like, wow, I wish I had a six pack like that. And like, I mean, yeah. like, I'm only working out my abs that much, to be honest. Honestly, it's all the diet because there's no fat. Go- I mean, sorry, it's all fat and there's no carbohydrates at all going in. And so I'm just, I'm just this lean, as I've, I've, as I've ever been. Um, and in terms of working out, like at times it's hard to sleep even now because there's a remnant of, even though I'm cured, so to speak, and healed, there's still like kind of ghost pains that come and go. It's like when, and, there's, and it's scientifically documented as well. So, and uh, I forget the name for it, but people who say have their foot cut off or their leg cut off, they could still feel remnants of their foot still there. And so yes. my nervous system was under attack and haywire for the last three years. And so now that it's kind of healing and it healed and, and it's resetting, there's a, there's a period of time where I could only describe it as like these pinpricks on my body. 
uh, that are still emerging and sometimes it's still difficult to sleep uh, with those pinpricks. I mean, so so when I say I'm healed, there's, there's still problems that I have to face. I mean, even last night and for the past four nights, I've been working out every single night and I work out quite a lot because it's my solution uh, to not being able to sleep. And if I get really frustrated because it's painful, I mean, even though I'm healed right now, it's not, it's healed, my skin's healed, but I'm still in some level of pain because of these ghost sort of nervous system pinpricks that are happening. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, to, the only way through it is what I was doing when I was in such pain with my eczema, when it was really bad, I still carry on to this day, I'm still working out. So the last four days and indefinitely for like the last year and three years really and, and since i was like 15 i've been working out three times a week but recently it's been like every day um and so okay. in that video when i was doing chin-ups it's like uh um yeah i'm just i'm 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 frustrated because i can't sleep and i'm and there's so much eczema flaring up and i take out my anger on the weights and the moment i start doing i start working out a bit, an hour into it the, all these endorphins start being released naturally in my body and the, the itch subsides. And so, you know, a lot of people online in these eczema communities, they say, what's the best way to deal with itch? Uh, what cream should I use? And they, I love, there's a lot of creams out there like Aveeno, for example, that I used to experiment with too. Like when I'm itchy, I'd apply that on. And it's like, a, it, it kind of numbs the surface of the skin and it feels good, but really it doesn't help long-term. It actually makes it, I found it makes it worse. I mean, other people might disagree, but I found after applying it, it actually gets a lot worse later on. And so I've, I'm not using any creams right now. Like I've gone completely cold turkey and I'm really proud to say that. Like I'm not using any Aladel. I'm not using any steroids. Aladel is a cream that I use on my face because steroids is very strong. And if I used it on my face, it would just destroy the skin on the face, which is very thin, much thinner than the body. And, but the thing is, I mean, just to quickly, I'm, I'm talking about a lot of topics at once, but like to quickly address Aladel, I was looking up online the side effects of using Aladel for long-term, long-term use of it. And they say online, please don't use this for longer than a year because there is clinical studies that prove that it is linked to skin cancer and lymphoma. And I've been using it for 20 years. My goodness. And the doctors just constantly keep prescribing it. And they say, you know, it's rare. It's not going to happen. It's fine. Just keep on using it. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's negligence or they're getting commission out of it. So there's an incentive for them, but uh, it's just, it's just really disappointing that they would advocate that for 20 years and not even tell me that there's a side effect of skin cancer and lymphoma. And on top of that, I was doing UV treatment and I looked that up too. And it says, Eladel causes skin cancer and lymphoma alone, but please do not use this in conjunction with UV treatment because it exacerbates skin cancer and lymphoma even more. And the doctor said, oh, it's fine, it's rare. I mean, yeah, you could say it's rare, but one in two people die of cancer in their lifetime. And one in five have autoimmune disease and it's increasing at a rate of three to 9% per year. I mean, there's an elephant in the room here um, and you can't like call me crazy for saying it, you know? So that's why I'm very happy today that I've completely gone cold turkey on every single medicine and I've completely healed myself naturally and I'm using natural holistic health, not Western medicine, which is transient. I mean, I've given Western medicine 20 years. I've given it 
it's a chance, you know, given it, it's time, mm -hmm. 20 years of, of experiment, experimenting with all of this different uh, procedures that they give me is enough time to really look through and say, and to analyze it and say, you know, this doesn't work. I'm not going to use this anymore. You've had your chance. I'm moving on now. I'm going to take my health into my own hands. And it has worked. And honestly, yeah. there's so many people out there with eczema who say, why are people vilifying steroids? It works. I can only, I can only say from my experience, like I'm not a medical practitioner. I'm not a medical expert, but these steroids are dangerous and it will, it will work for you in the short term, but it will really mess you up long-term and I would highly recommend getting off it as soon as possible. Uh, and, and really just trying to tackle diet and, and holistic health. I mean, these four tenants that I'm practicing all the time, going into the ocean, sauna, carnivore diet, and uh, what was the last one? Sauna, carnivore diet, uh, ocean, and... Exercise. <laughs> exercise, yes, exercise. Yeah, those four things. As long as I'm doing those four things, I'm in perfect health. And that's really all you need. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Did you have a moment? Like I know when I experienced healing on carnivore diet, I had a moment that I was like, really? All this time, all of this suffering, it was meat the whole time. If I would have just <laughs> eat meat, like in the story, all of those tears and, you know, screaming and thinking I was cursed. And the answer was, you know, food I can buy at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really fascinating. I think it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird that uh, there's these solutions here in plain sight. Like I'm reading this, like as a metaphor and analogy, like I'm reading this book right now called Dirt to Soil by this author called Gabe Brown, who is a holistic farmer, a regenerative agricultural farmer in North Dakota. And basically it's the same sort of um, parallel with meat. I mean, like it's this, it's this paradigm where we think that it's bad for us, but it's actually healing us. And it's there the whole time in plain sight, but no one knows how powerful it is. And so it's the same thing with regenerative agriculture. It's like, uh, it's like this, like, and I'm getting, I'm getting into regenerative agriculture right now because a lot of people who say are vegetarian or vegan are saying how, like, how, like I've got comments online saying, why are you just eating meat? I mean, yes, your health is improved, but don't you care for the planet? I mean, how much is your life worth really? Uh, and when you're killing all of these animals all the time and the 40% of deforestation is caused by the meat industry and 14.5% of greenhouse emissions is caused by the meat industry and you're contributing that and your, your footprint is massive. So this is why I'm getting into regenerative agriculture because every single time I eat meat, it's always grass fed. And like in terms of sentience of the animal, I, I, you're right. I'm taking away the life of an animal, but I like the native Indians. I really have this respect for the animal and I only take what I, what I eat. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste food. I mean, there's a massive food wastage around the world where a third of all food, I think in the U S alone is just being um, put into landfill and put into wa as waste and thrown away. Um, so I've got this massive, uh, like when I was eating, for example, a heart, uh, I was eating a, a cow heart 
and I, I, it was just so vivid in front of me for the first time that like when you eat muscle meat for example it's it's kind of you're kind of desensitized to it because you're used to it your whole life there being on the plate but when you see a physical heart in front of you it, it kind of shocks you and i remember feeling very emotional when i was eating like i'm so, i was thinking like i'm so grateful for this animal that it died for me like wow uh this animal mm -hmm. died and i'm consuming it so that i can survive in this beautiful cycle of life and so you know like i'm not i'm not like detached from the fact that this animal died i'm very aware that it died and i'm so grateful that my life can continue that because i've taken because i've taken its out uh, its life and i'm consuming its its uh, life energy in the form of meat um so that aside i can't i can't really have an argument for that but in terms of a lot of people are saying to me yeah what about your global footprint and i say you know that is completely unfounded i mean yes that 40 percent of of deforestation happens because of the beef industry, but this is this is because they, they this is not happening, say, in the U.S. In the U.S., this is this is happening in like in Brazil because of poor management. In the U.S., there's hundreds of thousands of acres which are fallow, which means it's unusable. And bison has been roaming the Americas for uh, America for, for thousands and thousands of years, and so it's it, it's part of the uh, it's part of the land and the only way to actually re rehabilitate this, these hundreds of thousands of acres of land that's unusable, literally can't be used for anything else, is to put cows on there and that they can graze. And the moment they graze, they actually revitalize the soil. And this is what regenerative agriculture is all about. I mean, there's a, a biolog biologist on, uh, who does a famous TED talk, really amazing, uh, which, which, which went viral. And his name is uh, Alan Savary. And he talks about how uh, livestock and cows have been vilified for the longest time. Like he says, he, all these scientists believe that having cows on the land, they assumed it caused desertification. And so this is why we have to remove the cows from the land. And the cows are the reason for all of the greenhouse emissions and 14.5% of, of carbon dioxide being released. And it's the cow's fault. And so what he did was he removed all the cows from this land in Africa in these protected areas and then the, it was still being desertified the land was not it wasn't healing and so he said oh then it's the elephants and so he killed he ended up asking the government to shoot 40,000 elephants and it still was desertified and finally from this he said I'm I, I'm so ashamed that I had to do that but now I know and I said I'm, I'm actually committing my life to protecting these species it's actually not the cow's fault it's our fault for thinking it's the cows in the first place because the grass the the land the soil needs the cows just as much as the cows need the grass and the soil it's symbiotic mm -hmm. you see and this is what regenerative agriculture is about and it's it's amazing these people who who talk about greenhouse gases and how carbon dioxide is like 14.5% of all emissions is caused by cows. The, uh, in, just in terms of global warming, like I forget who said it, but these scientists are saying, if, if we stop emissions today, it still won't be enough to sort of reduce, uh, if, if we stop all greenhouse emissions today, like all the factories stop today, it won't be enough for the greenhouse emissions to reduce prior to the industrial era say like for temperatures to, to settle again what we need is carbon sinks and, and actually 
the one way to do it, the actual fastest way to do it, to create carbon sinks, is to have cows grazing the land in, in regenerative agriculture. Because when they eat the grass, the fastest way for like, and I'm, I'm going to try to um, say this as concisely as I can, and because I don't want to talk too long about it, but the, the, actually, when the, when the cows eat the grass, it's just like when you're working out and your body's stressed. When the grass is stressed, it actually grows faster. And when, when, I mean, basically all trees and all plants is basically carbon being stored. And so these, this grass sucks carbon out of the atmosphere and stores it in the dirt. And so what you end up having is 3.5 pounds of carbon being sequestered in the soil per pound, of car per pound of meat that you're producing. And so by eating meat that is grass-fed, not grain-fed and factory-farmed, because that is terrible, I'm not arguing that, but grass-fed meat, if you're eating that, you're actually contributing to saving the planet. And not just that, there's a whole wealth of health benefits, like one in five people have autoimmune diseases, most likely because of this reason, because, because they're spraying herbicides and, and glycophosphate and all of this <laughs> terrible things and, and everything's factory farmed and all the, all the, I mean, it's, it's not natural for a cow to be in a small confinement, just eating grains all the time. It doesn't eat grains. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's natural food source. Natural food source is grass. And so if you have healthy food, you have healthy people, you have healthy soil, you have healthy people. And so for the, for the people out there who are like, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who are vegan, vegetarian, so all due respect, but I'm just sort of defending myself here with, if they attack me saying, how dare you eat meat? What is your life worth in terms of the planet's health? I can't argue in terms of sentience of the animal, but in terms of actually protecting the planet, I'm eating grass fed all the time, which is actually helping the planet and is the appropriate thing to do. It's actually helping. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know your stuff. So, I mean, I, I pity the person who comes after you now, after you explaining <laughs> all of that to me, because I've, I've heard it before and I have like a, like a general understanding of how that works, but you really broke that down beautifully. You did a great job. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening that, you know, that that's a, a some good information for them too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because there's a misconception. A lot of people think that just eating meat means you're destroying the planet and then you're being selfish mm -hmm. because your carbon footprint's so large and, and you're gonna, and then on top of that, that you're hurting yourself and you're gonna get yourself heart disease. I mean, honestly, meat is a superfood and it's something we should be uh, producing more in the form of regenerative agriculture, not through factory farming, of course, but through this holistic management of land. Yeah. For those who don't yeah. know about regenerative agriculture, I highly recommend it. Check out that uh, Alan Savory uh, TED talk. It's just amazing, it blows your mind. Yes, I'm going to check that out with my kids because they need to learn about that. <laughs> um, well, Bradley, I have one last question for you. If you could have a billboard um, in the busiest Melbourne Highway interstate, what would you put on that billboard? What would you say to the world? It'd have to be very simple. I mean, if it's a similar question to when people ask, if you have one thing to say to the world, what would you say? I mean, if that was the case, 
I, I, the first thing I'd love to say is something profound, like enjoy every second, you know, or like, you know, be grateful for what you have. But like most people know that already in it. And I mean, like you can say it, but it really takes perhaps like a life threatening experience or, or just an awakening within yourself to really appreciate life. I mean, it doesn't come from a word words on a billboard. It has to really come from yourself. Like, for example, uh, I don't know, I've had a, I had a, another whole topic, but I had a near death experience like last year in a car accident. And after that, I mean, I was very grateful for life already. But like, after that, I, I became very aware that even though I'm young, like I could really die at any time, and I could die tomorrow. And so it really made me completely grateful for every single day that I have. And no amount of words on a billboard could tell me to enjoy life, it had to come from that awful experience. You see, I mean, even the three years that I've spent with my skin, like in a horrible condition where I was bed bound. I mean, it's such an interesting uh, experience in a sense, because there was a period of time when I was bed bound before the accident, where I was thinking my quality of life is awful. And I was talking to people saying, how am I supposed to survive for the next 60 years? Like, like a lot of people with eczema right now have awful quality of life and they're lost and they don't know what to do because the medicine's failing them and there's no solutions and there's nowhere to go. The doctors are just recommending the same thing. And like, just to speak, speak, speak about it in first person, like if I was them, like, what am I going to do? I'm just here in, in bed and I can't move. And every time I, I look at myself in the mirror, I hate the way I look, I, my skin's falling apart. I, my, I don't know if I'm going to find love. I don't know if anyone wants to talk to me. I just feel embarrassed. And you just sink into this hole of depression. And uh, I mean, the suicide rate alone in, in cases of eczema with that are severe is 36% and 40% of eczema patients have an, a suicide ideation rate where they at least think about it, like seriously have it as an option because it's just that debilitating. I mean, there's these scales that people use to measure the quality of life. I forget what it's called, but it's zero to one. And I remember reading about this through podcasts that I used to listen to when I was lying in bed and I couldn't move. I was listening to like these podcasts called uh, Eczema Conquerors, who's a, a girl called Abby, who's mm -hmm. a hero in the sense of giving people hope. Um, and so I was listening to these podcasts. And so they have this scale of zero to one of uh, quality of life. People who have cancer. So, so for example, just to, just to give you context, zero is shocking. One is normal and you're perfectly fine and healthy. So people who have cancer rated themselves at 0 0.3. People who have eczema also rated themselves at 0 0.3. And the doctors were baffled. They say, this is not cancer. This is just a skin condition. This is just a rash. Why are these people rating themselves so low? And that's, that's sort of the, the fact that really woke up a lot of doctors who were researching this eczema. It's because it's, it's so debilitating. It's not just a skin issue. You can't sleep. You can't move. Everywhere you go, people are commenting. Uh, you feel insecure. You feel terrible. Um, and not just, I mean, feeling terrible is the least of your worries. You're constantly in pain and not just like, of average dull pain that's just there in the background. It's it's debilitating, chronic pain that is so hard to deal with that you literally feel like you're going insane. So in terms of in in terms of the billboard, 
there was a period of time where I was going through this really dark moment of my life. I wasn't sure how long it was going to last. And I was stuck in this, in this despair. And that, and then I had a car accident. And so it hit me like, even though my life is awful in this current state, I still want to live. And I, and that's why there's mm -hmm. these, there's these podcasts, I don't know, podcasts, these little uh, vlog I was doing where I was filming myself in the sauna talking and I, and uh, someone was asking me in a podcast, what makes you still so positive, even though you were riddled with debilitating chronic illness, what makes you still say, I, I still care for, to live and I'm, I'm trying to keep a positive mindset. And we really, it really was that car accident because I was in a, such a negative state I, in my mindset was just, I don't know if I want, I, I wanted to live. I was never suicidal, but there was moments where I thought life is the quality of life is so poor. I don't know how I'm going to live. And I don't like, I, I, I never wanted to kill myself ever, but it's just like, it's so hard. I don't know how I'm going to survive the rest of my life and I don't enjoy life anymore. That's how bad, like that's my state of mind when I was in the last three years. But with the car accident, I was thinking, you know what? I still cherish life. I, I still appreciate this, what I have, even though it's awful, I'm still going to be positive. And so, yeah, no matter what I say on a billboard, it's never going to like, it's never going to influence people because they're just words at the end of the day. It has to come from your own unique experience. So long story short, what I'd say on the billboard, I'd love to say something profound, but again, it has to come from the person is my point. So I'd love to say something that's just thought provoking. For example, mm -hmm. uh, for example, does meat really cause cancer? Yeah. Uh, I, um, because it's, because it cured my eczema. Oh, so, I, don't, I don't know exactly. Like does meat really cure, can, cure cancer? And uh, uh, something succinct about like how powerful the superfood of meat is. You know, it's something that changes yeah. the paradigm of people's ways of thinking, you know, because just, just mm -hmm. to question, just to question the narrative or question how people, there's so many people are just like believing that meat is this vilified, awful product that we should avoid and causes cancer. So just to question it in a public space, I mean, something maybe like this, I eat meat every day. It cured my incurable eczema mm -hmm. why aren't you eating meat something like that would yeah be awesome. yeah yeah absolutely yeah in in my area in atlanta there's a lot of vegan propaganda everywhere you go and there's a really busy highway and there's there's a number of billboards like talking about stop eating meat don't drink milk you know uh really sickening honestly knowing how powerful meat is i mean as a testament you can see it literally i mean the fortunate thing about eczema is that it's on the surface so you can literally see everything that was terrible happening in my gut and my body i mean a lot of people who have illnesses like mm -hmm. michaela peterson you can't really see the difference because it's not on the surface but with my eczema it's light and it's black and white you can see the difference um and so it's really insidious honestly sinister that I mean, like in the seventies, people who eat 
meat all the time. Like people used to eat fat all the time. And on these podcasts that I was, I was having with this girl called Serena Carnivore, she was talking about, she was talking about how I think these cookies or Oreos, I think it was that used to have fat in it. They would uh, advertise saying, we no longer have fat in our Oreos. We replace it with sugar, eat sugar, not fat. And you know, that's exactly what you shouldn't be doing. You should actually be having fat, not sugar. Um, and mm -hmm. you can just see how in the seventies, there's these pictures of people and obesity is just skyrocketing now, but before everyone was lean and healthy and now everyone, I forget, I don't know the exact statistic, but there's so many people who are just obese. Um, yes. So yeah. And everybody's scratching their head like, Oh, you don't know what went wrong. You know, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's, it's, it's the seed oils. It's all of the uh, the massive amount of sugar that's people eating. The diets. It's just awful, and not to mention all of the uh, well GMO and all of the artificial foods that are being produced. I mean, this vegan fake foods is just on top of that. I mean, if you're a vegetarian and you're vegan and you're choosing to eat this, good on you. Kudos to you. But you can't force people to eat to change their diets and and shame people. Uh, away from eating meat because of because of perhaps global warming or perhaps because of the deforestation mm -hmm. of of trees and 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 the sentience of the animal i mean as I, as i said before I, I proved how it's actually not destroying the planet at all in fact it's healing the planet through regenerative agriculture so all of this is honestly propaganda um and it's so yeah, sinister absolutely because I don't know if they have an agenda or what it, whatever, whatever it is, but there's this massive thing where even in Australia, vegan advertisements everywhere, and there's constantly vilification of meat, like, and then there's all these like mad cows disease before. Now there's uh, in, from from Bali, there's this foot and mouth disease where they're literally culling thousands of cows that we can't consume, and so there's 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 a, a, like a, a limitation of the amount of cows that are being produced now i mean of meat that's that's being able to be sold and so i mean some people reach out to me i mean sean baker is always releasing these statements on how meat might become illegal in the future and how he's how he's saying that uh, the world economic forum wants to have insects as food for the future mm -hmm. as a form, a form of protein like i don't know how true that is but uh it's it's almost it's almost as if they're trying to get us off eating meat because of how bad it is for the planet or which is again propaganda or or how bad it is for our bodies which is again propaganda um really it's the quickest way to heal yourself uh if you want to be if you want to be healed if you want to be healthy if you want to think clearly if you want to be able to function throughout the whole day and not really need coffee because you don't because for me I don't have these spikes of energy with that sugar provides because I'm not, I'm not under glucosis. I'm not eating much sugar. I'm under ketosis for the past mm -hmm. uh, 163 days. And so just eating meat, like there's a baseline there. I don't really need coffee to, or anything to wake me up because I'm constantly in this baseline uh, state where I'm constantly energetic. Like I'm rehearsing with yeah. my musician friends or i'm studying and other people are like do you need do you guys need a break like yeah we need a break i'm tired and i'm thinking oh wow um i probably <laughs> would have been tired before but now that i'm on the meat tired like i don't even get tired like uh, going to sleep i'm still as yeah. energetic as i was waking up 
it's just a continuous level of energy. Uh, so, you know, if you want to be in the prime form of your being, you have to eat meat. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to, but you know, it's, it's an option that should be there, should be allowed. Yes. Feel like they're vilifying it so much to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if they, I don't know if they'll make it like, they'll never maybe ban it. I hope they don't ban it in the name of global warming or whatever. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they rise, raise the prices so much that it just becomes unaffordable. Yeah. Exactly or if it, it was really, it was taxed, heavily taxed. I could see that happening. A meat yeah. tax, which I don't know. It, to me, it's just, it's, it's like you said, it's, um, it's, it's cruel for, for me to think about somebody doing that just because it saved my life. I know it saved my life. And so for someone to be like, yeah, well, it's going to cost you even more to stay healthy now to eat your meat. It's like them saying, well, you're going to have to start paying for oxygen. Like it's a utility. And if you can't afford it, then, you know, too bad. Um, well, Bradley, this has been so awesome talking to you. I feel like we could talk for all the rest of your day and all the rest yeah, of my yeah, night because we're in different times. <laughs> um, we'll but can you tell today. everyone yeah. <laughs> can can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Yeah, for sure. You can find me on Instagram. Uh my handle is Bradley Marshall Official. So that's my private page. I mean that's not private, it's, it's open for everyone to see, but it's like my personal page in a sense. So I post videos there. I'm a musician primarily, and I recently got on the health train in the last three years having this severe situation that i endured so now i'm on the health train too so I've, so that account is like a combination of both my music and my healing journey so but i also have two other accounts that i've made one's primarily for my, my music which which like as i'm working as a full-time as a musician as well as like I'm, I've, I've got other things on the side where i i delve in i've got a, as i said before a degree in science and i delve in academia because i find it so interesting um, but at the moment I'm working as a full-time teacher in music and performing and as well as teaching a bit of maths. So in, in terms of, yeah, so in professionally, I have that as a, as a music Instagram that I give out to people as it's kind of like my music portfolio, my music resume, if you will. And then I've also got a page called i.cured.my.exma. So I cured my eczema with dots mm -hmm. in between. Uh, so that's, that's a primarily talking about my healing journey uh, for those who don't want to hear the music and just want to uh, stick to my healing journey. But if you want both, then just follow Bradley Marshall official, which is my main Instagram account. And I post uh, just everything about music and everything about me talking about my health. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the one that you follow already. So yes. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. My uh, and I'm sure there's videos of me out there on YouTube and all that. I mean, I've got channels for my music, but mainly I'm on Instagram for my ex, my healing journey. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, that eczema healing journey is great news to the world. And I hope you keep sharing and keep inspiring people all over. That's it for today. Until next time, stay meaty, stay strong and stay inspired. Do you have a carnivore story to tell? 
connect with me on Instagram at meet, M-E-A-T, Mrs. M-R-S, Grubs, G-R-U-B-S. I would love to interview you. And the world needs to hear your story and how meat heals. Thanks so much for watching and all your support. Bye-bye till next time.